Hello, it's Gabby here for you. Before we jump onto this week's podcast, I just want to let you know about two ways that you can work with me. First of all, I do one-to-one coaching and I do that via Zoom so we can jump on a Zoom call at a time to suit you. The second thing I've got for you is an online coaching course that's 12 modules that you can download straight away now. There will be a link somewhere around these podcast notes. And this is the course that I've designed and it's got everything in it that I wish I'd have known when I finished cancer treatment and I was lost. So you can download that course now and you can start working towards making this your happiest and healthiest year ever. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you think. Take care. Bye-bye. Hello, it's Gabby here. I hope you're well. In this week's episode of Confidence After Cancer, I'm going to be talking to a very special lady, Melanie O'Neill from Warrington. Mel and I met many years ago when we were both diagnosed with inflammatory breast cancer, but our journeys have been very, very different. Mel was diagnosed with inflammatory breast cancer in May 2011 when she started treatment and she carried on having various types of treatment until November 22, so over 11 years of treatment. It's been a tough journey and Mel and I shared some similarities in that we both were very, very interested in diet, nutrition, mindset and complementary therapies. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Today's podcast is not really Mel's story. Maybe I'll do another podcast about that because she's been on a long, long journey and tried lots of things and visited many places. But what we're really going to talk about today and it's mostly Melanie talking in her own words. What we're going to talk about today is what lessons cancer has taught her. You know, this is the journey that nobody wants to go on, but now that she's been on it and her treatment has finally finished and she can reflect back on what she's learned, is life better now or worse than before she started her treatment and before she had that awful diagnosis? So I'm going to hand over to Mel. I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast. Let me know what you think. Thank you. So here today with Mel, she's got such a long story to tell us about cancer and everything that's happened to her and everything she's learned from it. But I really wanted to start today, Mel, thinking about after your treatment and the way that your life has changed. How has your life changed since you finished your cancer treatment? Realistically, I only finished my treatment properly in November of last year, 2022. Before that, I was on two years of a septum, which I had to pay for myself. And then before that, I had nine and a half years of chemotherapy. And I was diagnosed as incurable, stage four. We can only manage it now and keep you stable. We could never get rid of it. When I was first diagnosed, I asked my oncologist, why did I get cancer? And he turned around and said, you were just the unlucky one. And I couldn't accept that. So my living room looks resembles a library now because <laughs> I just kept buying books. I mean, it, a lot of it was in desperation. Everybody's has their own path and their own way of dealing with a diagnosis. But mine was to read about how I could help myself So I got into a lot of holistic stuff, Reiki, and I've never had before diet. I tried to change my diet as much as I could, but I was never 100% stuck to one specific diet. And I read about life and about the mind, how the mind rules the body. So 
I started to gain a lot of information through that and, and I also had a really good friend who at the time, well she wasn't a friend at the time, I started meditation classes because I needed something to quiet my mind because I was just living in fear constantly and she taught me how to meditate, how to switch off and then I started having counselling sessions with her and she kept saying ask, the, the cancer is part of you, so she said there's no good fighting it, you need to accept it, it's part of who you are and ask it why do you think it's come now it's only now i've not got it that i am confident in saying all this because when i had it i was just i think it was like i was just like a hamster on a treadmill trying to find reasons why it had come and how i could get rid of it and now looking back she was right all the time i was really stressed before i was diagnosed i took a lot of things personally i took it to heart i was in the wrong job that I was never made to do. So I was managing a lot of staff. And at the end of the day, I don't like confrontation. I don't like telling people what to do. So I ended up in a job that was never designed for me and my life's path, as you can say. So I believe now, having been through all this, that stress is only brought on when you're doing something that's not right for you that doesn't sit with you and you know if you're a, a big money-making millionaire and you want to do that and you can handle the stress of that then that's what you're meant to do but I don't think I was meant to do that at all and my love is in empowering people originally I wanted to be a when I was younger I watched a program called Grange Hill I don't know if you remember it oh yeah you remember <laughs> I Grange do Hill. yeah and they brought a record out called Just Say No. And as soon as they brought that record out, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to sing and dance and act and I just want to perform. And I was told, don't be stupid, you can't do that. So because I'm also a people pleaser, I was like, oh, well, that doesn't please my dad to say, don't be silly, you can't do that. So I mustn't be able to do it. And everybody wants to do that. You can't do that. It's only for people in London and we don't live in London. It was a case of don't do it, do something like work at United Utilities, which is down the road, or Marks and Spencer's in the offices, or work in a bank, that was the best one. Work in a bank, you can work your way up in a bank. But I didn't want to work in the same place, looking at the same four walls every day. I knew I wanted to be out there and doing something different. And I suppose I just lived with singing and dancing in my bedroom, way into my thirties. I'm only confident enough to say that now, when at the time I was like, oh God, I hope nobody finds out that I sing and dance and, you know, <laughs> do things like that in my bedroom. Because I was ashamed and I was ashamed of who I was and what I loved doing because of what was I was told as I was growing up. So I ended up working at the Trafford Centre and I gained loads of experience and I followed my passion, but then, unfortunately, I had a car accident. I ended up working with my husband as well, which is where I managed people, and I think that really put a lot of the stress on. And also, it's not really healthy to be with your husband 24 hours a day. <laughs> I cannot imagine. Why are we still married? I, I cannot imagine. Um, so, I, I don't want to start you, man. So that your story is, you're, we could, we've said this before, we could speak all day about your story. Yeah. You've got so many, and maybe this is future episodes as well. I think yeah. we should break down so many things have happened to yeah, you. Yeah, I could go on all day. Yeah, trying to get to the point. The point, the point is that it just all started to fall into place. At one point, I went to for chemotherapy and they said, you can't have it because your mouth's too toxic for your body. 
and I had too many ulcers and they took me off it and I really, I broke my heart crying because I was thinking it's going to go, it's going to go with this chemo and it they took me off it and it just went on its own, really, really sure. I mean, I do still believe that I am a miracle, but I do believe in miracles do happen and the more that I've read, the more that I realised that I then started to accept who I was and it can be as stupid as, like, I like pop music. I like Justin Bieber and Britney Spears. Well, at the time, like years ago, I never admitted that. I would never <laughs> in a million years admit that because it'd be totally uncool for somebody of my age to like somebody like that. But now I don't care. Yeah. And I think it's it gives you a different aura and you're portrayed a different way. You have a different light that shines from you when you believe in yourself. And it's unfortunately, it took cancer to do that. I always remember reading something that said, if you could do a job for the rest of your life and never get paid for it, that's the job for you. And I love doing makeup now. I love doing it and I love doing it because it empowers people. It gives people the confidence that I know that I never had for years and years. So that's the, that is the reason I do it. I don't do it for any other reason. I want people to look and feel better about themselves. I love that, man. And I talk a lot about self-love and about the fact that, you know, particularly women, we're used to putting everybody else first. And like you say, sometimes you fall into that trap of being a people pleaser. You want to make it, you want to be a good girl. You want to make everybody else happy. You want everybody else to like you. But what's that doing to you inside? And I think, you know, there's so many strands to your story. And I think the reason why everything that you put out there is resonating with people. So many people can resonate with the fact, we talked before about stress. People sort of think that stress is, well, just just your life, isn't it? you just got to get on with it. Everybody's stressed. What's wrong with you? But it, what is it doing to us inside? Died, yeah. yeah. And I think you're like me. When you get on that cancer journey, it's when you take that step back and think, oh, my goodness. Again, not blaming yourself. Just taking responsibility yeah. and thinking, yeah, I've been stressed for years. Well, what have I done about it? Yeah. Well, absolutely nothing okay. because I had to do the job or I had to do such a thing. Well, at the end of the day, we chose to do those things. Yeah. And I think once you start taking that responsibility and that step back. I think the biggest thing as well, when you've got cancer, is to not live in fear. I agree. And I think society, especially now, not to cancer aside, has taught us to live in fear. So, like, I know I'm going off a bit now, but <laughs> the, the NHS is in dire straits <laughs> oh, because as we, know. we get we get a cough and it's, oh, I might have a COVID, I might have whatever the latest flu bug that's out. I'll need to go to the hospital and find out what's going on with me. Because society has created that fear that we've just got a common cold at the end of yeah, the day. Yeah. Take two paracetamols. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying that for every, every case. Um, of course. I'm not saying that for everybody. In some cases are serious, but society is filling us with fear mm-hmm. and there's only you as a person that can take a step back and look at things a bit more diplomatically and it's so hard to do when you've got a life-threatening illness mm-hmm. and you hear so many people that are dying of cancer that you think I'm mean, it's going to kill me I'm going to die and you and how do you change when you've got that yeah. fear instilled into you yeah, absolutely. And you've touched on something there I've talked about before, which is about that little monkey mind. There's some people call it, you know, the little voice inside it. So who do you think you are? What's special about yeah. you? Why do you think you're why do you think you're an expert? And actually and, and part of that is again, you don't want to be arrogant, you don't want to come across as, you know, I'm, I'm a big know it all. But actually we've also almost been taught and conditioned to suppress 
being proud of ourselves. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being proud of yourself. This, like you would with your children. You want them to love themselves. You want them to be proud of their achievements and what they're good at and yeah. do more. And the other thing that you just touched on there when we first started talking is about um, how your front room is like a library and about you how you've gone into, if you like, from one kind of stress into another kind of stress where it's like, oh my goodness, I've got this illness and I'm going to find out everything that I can. And probably like me, tons and tons of books, some of them telling you different advice, lots yeah. and lots of different advice. And it's almost becomes a full-time job just managing that. And that's all surrounded by this huge fear yeah. that, what if I don't survive? What if I don't fight hard enough? What if I'm like that other person that I've heard about that had this disease and they're not here anymore? What if, what if? And you can live your life in what if and you can live your life in fear. Yeah. Or you can just like you and I have done is think, well, you know, we've all got limited time on earth, unfortunately. We met, Let's make the most of it. Yeah, let's absolutely. embrace what we want to do and spend our time. We talked before about what does success mean? Well, what does success mean yeah. to you, Mel? Success to me is just being content with what life is giving me, living the present moment, being happy with my choices and my life, who I have and what I have in it, just being happy. I think as a woman, you take the role of wife, mother, daughter, sister, you've taken on all that role and you're constantly trying to please other people for their acceptance when really all we've got to do is just accept yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That. There's a quote somewhere about you know, a lot of people are critics because they just don't like themselves. Yeah. Never mind like anybody else. Never mind love themselves and accept themselves and treat themselves with some compassion. They can't even be kind to themselves. Yeah. I've learned as well. You can't change other people and how they think about you. Yeah, if they like you, that would be nice. But at the end of the day, there's only one person that you can please and that's yourself. Oh, and if yeah. you go to bed at the end of the day and put your head on the pillow thinking, well, I'm okay, I've done a good yeah. job today, I've made a difference, I've made somebody happy, whatever it is, I've connected with somebody, I've made somebody else feel better. That to me is success yeah. as well. And Definitely. so I think that is like, the, as long as you're doing it for yourself, if it, if it affects other people mm-hmm. and makes them happy, then that's the icing on the cake or the cherry yeah. on the cake. You've already made the cake as in you're doing it for yourself. <laughs> yeah. But then that's just the cherry on the cake if it's affecting other people. Brilliant. And empowering them. And I love that word at the minute. But to empower other people empowers me. Brilliant. And I love that you've come back to empowerment because you talked before about fear and fear being everywhere. And, and, yeah. I, and I'm with you, you know, I can't watch the news on the TV anymore because I think you're just pumping out this. Here's another thing to be scared of. And here's monkeypox or the, whatever the latest yeah. disease is. And I think j- just to take ownership of yourself and your family and your life and your own mind and how you feel about empowering yourself, that to me is the antidote to fear. We're not here. We're not supposed to be living in fear. We're not supposed to be scared of living. No. Because if you're scared of living, what's the blooming point? point? I know. I know. So what do you think is the biggest thing that you've learned then from your cancer treatment? If you think about who, and it's probably hard now because you've been so many years, you've been on your on yeah. this journey, haven't you? Like you sound this hamster wheel of your treatment and it's for you, bless you, it's gone on so many, many years. Yeah. And if you can think back to what you were like before the cancer diagnosis. I was just, a bit like what they say a hamster on a wheel constantly busy constantly i wasn't grateful and well i was grateful but not in in a way that i am now i didn't have gratitude i was just too busy making money and trying to be the best and just the kids were palmed off into nursery all i wanted to do was work all the time because i thought that the business would collapse if i wasn't working it which was a load of rubbish because then i got cancer and i couldn't work at all 
and it's still open to this day. And Amazingly, what, still there. Yeah, yeah. still there. <laughs> so every time I get really busy, now it can be just cleaning or anything. It doesn't have to be like in work mode. It can mm-hmm. just be cleaning the house. I do stop and think, no, you're going to stop and have a coffee for half an hour. You're yeah. just going to stop what you're doing and take a bit of time and then you'll get you'll still be there tomorrow. And another thing I've really have learned is... Everybody has to look to the future just in case they want to book a holiday or arrange an occasion or something. But to, to live in the present time and when I was having cancer, I was the same person I was the day before I was told, your treatment's not working and everything might fall yeah. apart. But then I was thinking, well, they didn't tell me that yesterday and I was absolutely fine yesterday. So mm-hmm. I'm falling apart today. Yeah. It's only worked someone's words. And I think you've just got to ask yourself on a day-to-day basis, can I, I have these points, can I walk, can I talk, and can I see, and can I breathe, probably that's the main <laughs> one, can I breathe, with that. and yeah. I think, yeah, I can, so let's just make the most mm-hmm. of, and enjoy. Yeah, I think that, again, the negative emotions, the fear, the guilt, the, you know, second doubting yourself, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, I shouldn't be doing, you know, what is this should? Why do we put ourselves under this pressure when actually we're just supposed to be enjoying our lives? I do think that cancer has a lot to do with having the right balance in your life. And that's why they'll never find a reason why people get it. Mm -hmm. They'll never find the reason why it comes because everybody's reason for them being diagnosed with cancer is a different reason because it's some imbalance in their life yeah compared to what's an imbalance to mm-hmm. somebody else some people's it's emotions some people it's self-love some people it's they drink too much or they eat you know that i mean how many times have you read oh, you shouldn't <laughs> eat this because it causes cancer yeah. too much sun causes skin cancer I, yeah, I, you, you hear know, that, don't you? Yeah. You hear ninety-year-old people who've smoked twenty six yeah, and drank all the like a fish, but they're obviously they've got the mind yeah, in the right place. Yeah. So everybody's different, and I think it's everything you enjoy, but in moderation. It's having a right balance. So eating cake, and then on the next day eating a piece of fruit, mm-hmm. and. So, you know, it's just getting them scales right. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's probably the same with stress as well. If you think we do need a certain amount of stress to make us get up in the morning so we didn't lie in bed all day watching TV, you need a certain amount of drive, if you like, to make you get up and do stuff. It's when, again, that balance goes far too far where you think... I'm a hamster on a wheel now. I've yeah. got no choices. I cannot breathe. Yeah. For me, I carry it in my shoulders. Or my shoulders are hunched up because I'm just so stressed. I'm just so stressed. And it's taking that step back to think, do you know what? I can have a day off or I can have an hour off or I can have 10 minutes out. Yeah, I can do that. We've all got choices. Just stop it now. Just have a word yeah. with yourself. Yeah. Something else I learned while I had cancer was that your body talks to you and it does send you messages. So... What you just said then is when you were getting stressed, if you listen to your body, you knew you was getting stressed because your shoulders were in knots. Mm-hmm. And before I was diagnosed with cancer, about two years before, I was working for Bobby Brown and I was a massive people pleaser. I wanted to do the best for all the managers that were coming down. And I remember having a visit from the manager and I was sat in a room with her and she said, what have you got on your forehead, Mel? You look like you've been bit. And I went... once she told me I started itching it was itching it and then when I got home that night there were the same dots on my knees and I went to the doctors and they said oh you've got a condition it's called hives or urticaria and he said you're allergic to something so you need to go home and do a diary of what you eat and what you drink and we'll find out what's causing it 
I went and did a diary, I went back to the doctors a few weeks later, I was still getting them, but oh, they were getting worse, they were coming up all over my body. I said, I've tried to eliminate all different foods, can't find out why it's coming. And to cut a long story short, I ended up going to Manchester University for acupuncture because the students were looking for volunteers for them to be models. And I went, and because it was such an unusual case, because a lot of people go with a sore elbow or a sore knee and to relieve pain. And over time, I think it was 14 weeks I went for, they found out what I was allergic to, and it was stress. And mine oh, was wow. getting stressed. And I now know, looking back, I didn't know this then, I didn't know until years yeah, later, yeah. but that my body was talking to me and saying, <laughs> you've got to stop people pleasing. You've got to stop and take a step back and love yourself. Yeah. And you're important, not other, what other people think of you, but you're important. Uh -huh. You work for you not to get the latest big manager's approval of something, which is how I worked at the time. And knowing that now, I think my body was screaming out to me because when I was diagnosed with the cancer, it spread. When I was diagnosed, it hadn't spread. It had spread after a year. Where did it spread to? It spread to my skin. So I didn't have skin cancer, I had inflammatory breast cancer that was trapped in my skin. Yet, a couple of years prior to that, I had urticarian mark hives, big rings that came up on my skin. Mm -hmm. And I believe now that was my body telling me had a message for me wow. in not such a serious, it wasn't yeah. a life-threatening illness, but yeah. I wasn't listening. And I think cancer came to grab hold of me and give me a <laughs> damn good shake and say, will you listen to me now? Yeah, yeah. And it took, well, it's come up to 12 years in May, but it took, took nearly 10 years for, to make me go, oh my God, right, what have I learned from this? What have I got to learn that I've, I didn't learn before? So yeah, yeah I do think it's, with a message for me to change something I had to change something wow so that's a huge lesson and it's, yeah. it's wonderful to sit here now talking to you like you say you've been on this treatment for so long now and it's it must have seemed like at some stages it was just never going to no, end I thought, and, and it upsets me so hopefully I won't get upset now but there's certain songs that come on the radio from maybe five years ago and I listen to him and I think, oh my God, this is, this was a time when I was convinced I was going to die. Yeah. And just, I mean, it could be a really upbeat song, but I remember it being on the radio. At that time, I was feeling that emotion. Yeah. And Adele's song, Set Fire to the Rain, and it was on the radio every time I drove myself to radiotherapy. So now, when that comes, if I ever hear that anyway, which you don't hear it very often, but it takes me back to that time when yeah. I was thinking. And I, I love the way music can do that not for just for the bad I've just told you about bad times but for good times of as well course, of course it yeah. holds a really good memory but yeah there's been quite I'm not saying that I always thought I was going to be fine and still I still don't think in the future absolutely going to be fine but I've learned to live in the now and I'm okay at this moment now talking to you so that's where I'm gonna that's where my mind is at and I don't think I think I've not got cancer now so I'm going to stay with that Great stuff, and it's great to talk to you with a big smile on your face as well, looking amazing. And uh, I feel pretty good as well today, having a makeover from Mel. So thank you so much for that. And I think as well, and what I've learned is in the past, I tried to make people like me. And if I had to make that much effort for people to like me, and again, that's one of the big lessons that I've learned when I step back and look at it and think, what have I learned? Well, yeah, I did, I did the reading and I did the nutrition yeah. and the mindset and the meditation, blah, 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 blah. But it was all about almost getting back to me 
stripping away all these things that I yeah. thought was important, like having a big job and having a you know a flash car and earning loads of money and, and being the big boss at work. And now when you strip it back, no, that's not important. No, no, it's not. It doesn't make you happy. And like you, I did different diets and even went to in West Palm Beach in Florida to do a raw food institute. I went to Brazil to see Dr. John of God, but I did all of it out of fear. Mm-hmm. Because I was thinking, this is the next thing that's going to kill me. I'm going to try this. I mean, I had a homeopath. I had a homeopath. I went to, I mean, I still friends with it, but I went every other week. I would be there with a different remedy because I was trying to get somebody or something to cure me. Yeah. When I realised years later that only I had that magic wand and I was trying wow. to pass it to everybody else. Even my oncologist, I mean, I do rate my oncologist and I do part of me thinks that's the chemo that's killed off the cancer but at the same time it was something in me i think it was my shift in thought and shifting self-love that finally did it that's what i believe and i had the power all along and to realize just to realize that you are enough yeah for a lot of people that's a huge leap from where they are now to realize nothing wrong with you you don't need whatever you just need to be happy with yourself yes 100% thank you so much Mel it's been brilliant to talk to you as always I'm sure we'll have another chat as I said I would love to talk to you about inflammatory breast cancer because that's that's the reason you and I met because we've both been through that journey very different journeys but we can talk about that because it's still unknown to a lot of people what inflammatory breast cancer is yeah I'd also like to talk to you about a little bit about your story because it does sometimes sound a bit far-fetched, all the things that have happened to you. There's so many amazing th- some good and some bad have right. happened to you, including ending up at Donald Trump's beach, <laughs> <laughs> beach club. <laughs> Yeah. amazing for a little girl from Warrington but we'll come back to that on another okay. another time thank you so much Mel it's been a pleasure thank love you lots thank you yeah.